What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. It is Caroline. I am back from my wedding, from my honeymoon. Last week, we didn't have an episode because I was on my honeymoon and I just could not get my shit together enough for me to have this done prior to leaving. So I pushed it back and here I am now. And it actually kind of worked out because I was not on my phone very much during the honeymoon, during the wedding. And so I don't think I would have like had time to even post about this anyways. So I'm happy to be back. I am feeling pretty good. I'm feeling refreshed. I am not really ready to go back to reality quite yet. And so I'm dreading work. I'm not dreading the actual work itself, but I'm like kind of dreading getting back into a routine and like not being on my own schedule, not being able to sleep in, and yeah, all of that fun stuff. It's always been hard to get back into like the swing of everything once you get back from a vacation, but this time I feel like it's especially hard. Like I definitely feel like it's a little bit harder this time than what it has been in the past. So that's my crappy is that I'm struggling to get back to reality, but my happy is just all the fun things that we did this past week. So we went to the Pacific Northwest for our honeymoon. We went to Seattle and then we went over to Olympic National Park and it was simply amazing. The views were incredible. The weather was perfect the whole time. There was like five minutes of rain uh, throughout the whole time that we were there, which, you know, worked out great because typically Seattle and the Pacific Northwest is really rainy, but we didn't get any rain at all. Um, it was really great weather. We had a super good time. Like literally, I don't think anything went wrong, which was great. The only thing that went wrong on our actual wedding day was that the cake we were supposed to have one layer of white cake and one layer of lemon cake. And we cut into it. Uh, You know, everyone's like watching uh, while you cut the cake. Everyone's like waiting for you guys to smash it in each other's face. And the photographer's there, the videographer's there. And we like start cutting into it. And we're like, this is definitely not lemon. This is like chocolate cake or red velvet or something. And it ended up being red velvet instead of lemon, which is like totally okay. I think people probably like that more than lemon, but that was honestly the only thing that went wrong the whole time, which is honestly incredible. You would have thought that there would have been more that went wrong. Um, So I'm just, I'm really, really happy to say that it came out as expected, honestly, better than expected. Um, It was just a really incredible day and then a really incredible honeymoon afterwards. So I am definitely going to be sharing some of the things that we did on our honeymoon and more about our wedding once I get pictures back. But it was seriously just such an incredible time. I could talk about it for 
honestly forever. I could talk about every little detail. Um, And so if you have like a wedding coming up or like in the future, if you are thinking about getting married or you're planning your honeymoon, I would love to talk about it. Uh, It's, I just, it was seriously so amazing. And if you are thinking about going to the Pacific Northwest or like uh, either Mount Rainier or the Olympic National Park, I have been to both of those places. I would recommend both. Uh, Seriously, such an incredible time. I will put more details about the spots that we went to on Instagram at some point. So that was amazing. I'm so excited. You will soon be able to call me Caroline May. (laughs) May will be my new last name. Um, So I haven't went through the whole name change process yet, but that will be soon to come. Okay, let's talk about this week's episode or else I will ramble on about my wedding for ever and ever and ever. But this week's guest and this week's episode is such a vulnerable, fun, lighthearted, just in-depth conversation. Like there are definitely times that we're laughing at each other. There's times that we get like super vulnerable. Uh, Michelle, our guest, shares in much detail all about her life, her life as a dog mom, her life as a mother, her life with narcolepsy and OCD and anxiety. Like we talk about therapy, we talk about marriages, we talk about motherhood, all sorts of things. And I mean, I just love her. She's such a delight. She keeps it like really fun and lighthearted, but she is also really vulnerable and doesn't skimp on any details. She is an open book, but the way that she shares it is just it pulls you in and, you know, you just want to be friends with her. So let me tell you more about today's guest. Michelle lives in Connecticut where she is a mom to three-year-old pup Olive and her one-year-old daughter Hadley. You can find her outside playing in the dirt with her crew, Rain or Shine, and she was diagnosed with narcolepsy after 20 years of misdiagnoses, which is unfortunately so very common with sleep disorders. This experience made her passionate about sharing openly about narcolepsy and more recently about motherhood and and OCD. She is going back to school in the fall to get her master's in social work with the goal of becoming a therapist. Michelle is an open source on how she has prioritized life with a dog, baby, and family, how to set boundaries, and how to advocate for yourself in a clinical setting. She has been a huge inspiration for myself and an expander for me in my mental health and motherhood journey. Not that motherhood, like physical, human, child motherhood is in my future at the moment, but she has like opened my mind up to the idea more and more, especially with a mental illness. And like I said earlier, she is just so resourceful and I know that she has helped me a lot. So I'm sure she will help you too with anything that has to do with motherhood, dogs, service dogs, families, mental health, sleep disorders, literally all of the above. And if she doesn't know, she will be so willing to help you. At least she has with me. I'm sure you will fall in love with her just like I have. So let's get into today's episode with Michelle. No matter the age of your pet, so much planning is involved when setting them up for success. From the hours of training to the socialization to the confidence building. 
But have you ever considered that the thing causing them a difference in their behavior, whether it's agitation or anxiety, might be a bit more complex than just training. This past year, I began to factor in how Layla's digestion could be affecting her behavior and mood. I didn't previously consider this because it really isn't something that you can outwardly see, nor could she communicate that to me. But after reading her food label, I decided to find a brand that was more balanced, holistic, and fueled her for all of our training and play sessions but I still wanted it to be convenient for me and all of our trips and even hand feeding. This is when Solid Gold entered our lives. Layla was immediately obsessed with their food and I am equally obsessed with the benefits she gets from it. Up to 80% of a pet's immune system is influenced by the gut, making the nutrients, vitamins, and minerals so important to your pet's overall health and well-being, which you guessed it, also includes things like their nervous system and behavior. Layla has been eating Solid Gold's new Nutrient Boost line, which is powered by plasma, making it extra nutritious, extra delicious, and providing extra immunity. The added plasma ingredient works to reduce inflammation and increase absorption, making sure that she gets every nutrient possible in her little tummy. And all of this is in kibble form, making it extremely easy and functional for us. Beyond their large variety of customizable food, Solid Gold also makes meal toppers, flavorful bone broths, and supplements. You can snag their products on Amazon, Chewy, Petco, and PetSmart. And find all the details about Solid Gold on their website, solidgoldpet.com. That's also linked in the show notes. Layla assures you that you will not regret checking out Solid Gold for your pet. You have no idea how excited I am to see you. That's so fun. I love it. I, I'm really excited to see you too. I I literally was like telling Bobby downstairs. I was like, I have a podcast recording and I've been like wanting to talk to this person for like a really long time. So I'm, I'm really excited. I was telling Daryl the same thing. I was like, I'm, what literally, I'm so excited. I don't even have the questions pulled up actually. <laughs> I was telling Daryl, I was like, I, she knows some of, like, my darkest secrets, and, like, we've talked about, like, everything on voice memo, but we've never, like, talked in real time. That's okay. We're still besties. I know. We're still besties. Um, I was wondering if you would be okay if I made this my adventure of the day. Oh, yeah. I literally was, okay. like, at, like, prior to, I was like, am I going to be the adventure today? <laughs> Okay, I was like, I don't want to be weird. Okay, so basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold my phone like this, and then I'm going to do my, like this, and then you're going to be there, okay? Okay. Okay. Yay. Woo! Hello! Finally. <laughs> I will talk to you. Yes. I <laughs> okay, like your case. Thank you. Did you, it says, give me space. Oh, okay. No, I couldn't, like, read it, but I like it. Like, I could see the Thank design. You. Thank you. Yeah, I like that. Thank you so much. You. I showered for you, and mm-hmm. I um, cut my shirt for you, and I trimmed my bangs. Well, I like how you've been cutting their shirts. 
They look comfy that way. They're really comfy. I meant to do like a video of how I cut it and then I mm-hmm. um, didn't. So. Well, that could be like an adventure at some point. That could be an adventure. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Yes, because I really like the way that you did it with your other one too. Yeah. But yeah. How are you? Um, like, okay, also, where are you? <laughs> like, I'm not I'm sure. I'm in Connecticut like... right now. Okay. Okay. Yep. I'm in Connecticut. We have been, um, we have slept in like a different place every day in the last week. And it's been a little bit like a lot. So we're yeah, here for a week. Hectic. Okay. Yeah. We're here for a week and then we're going to Maine for a week and then we're going back to Chicago. <gasps> okay. 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 Yeah. So are you like, I saw that you were spending time with like friends and stuff. Um, so yeah. you said like you haven't slept in the same place. So how are you like staying with friends and family? Right now we're at our house in Connecticut and that okay, is okay. awesome. And so we're just like in our house in Connecticut and we'll be here, but we were doing, um, Daryl had a, a bike race in Omaha, Nebraska. And oh, so interesting. we, we did that and then we moved to Chicago yeah and and you saw Brittany so like yeah so seeing Brittany like I had like other adventures that I was like oh we'll do the Nebraska trip and then I was like no those like don't count relative to finally meeting (laughs) Brittany so um that sort of just went away um so yeah we've been staying we stayed at my parents place for a night we stayed at my parents my parents have a lake house which is where we were living over the summer Mm -hmm. so um yeah, we've been in a lot of different places. Well, that's fun though. Like I was like, it is your reels before this, and you were talking about, like you were like, yeah, each year we like think it's gonna be easier <laughs> or something, and I was like, that's like honestly so true. Like that's such a like real statement. Yes, yes, I could talk about that forever because we always had like a next year, like things will just calm down, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, like, it's like is, something happens. Something happens. And I think once you realize that this is just life, then it just becomes everything is an adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the new spin that you're doing with with adventure every day. I've been liking them. Oh, thank you so much. I think it really helps me keep a good mindset about Mm -hmm. like and on days when we don't have anything planned I'm like okay what can I do to make things more interesting for myself right as a stay-at-home mom right now or you know like how can we find some newness in Mm -hmm. the day well it's nice to just from like a social media perspective like you don't have to like scroll for an hour to find like trending songs or like you know, trends to like hop on. You're just like, I'm literally just going to post like what's on my mind. It is really nice. And I've been wondering since I made this switch about a month ago, mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been growing, but I've been loving making content. Right. And so I'm trying to stay focused on that because yeah. Instagram is fun again. Yeah. I feel like what you're doing would be good on TikTok. I've started, I'm posting it on TikTok as well, and I'm growing yeah. faster on TikTok. Yeah, I feel like those 
types of videos would thrive more on TikTok. Not that they aren't like thriving on Instagram, but like that kind of like content style is like good for TikTok. I feel like that's like what people go over there for. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. The adventure everyday videos are doing a lot better on TikTok than they are on Instagram. And then the morning posts that I do were like answering people's questions or like, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have been doing well better on Instagram. What do you find works best for you? Because you're oh my god, Caroline, your videos are so every time you post something like you just nail the trends. Well, it's like, it's weird because recently I have been really burnt out about trying to find like trends. Like it's, it's like a job almost sometimes. Like, you know, I literally will be like, okay, on this day for like 20 minutes, I'm just going to like scroll and like any trending sound that I like, like I'm going to save it or like, you know, put it in a folder or something. Like I'm going to somehow save the sound. And I don't know. It just like, it's like monotonous. And then there was a time that I just felt like there were no good trending audio. Like I just felt like it all sucked. And so I was like, well, this is crap. So then I just like started doing kind of like whatever for a little bit. And I was just like, I don't know, burnt out basically. And then I've like started to try to like get back into it. And I'm like, gosh, I just feel like there's like not a lot of trending audio, which is like totally fine. Like I mean, regardless of if, you know, something was on a, on a trend or not, like, I'm still going to post about that topic. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of, like, how should I say this? The trends don't dictate the actual, like, caption content, if that makes sense, or, like, the topic of a lot of my posts. Like, I would still talk about a lot of these things, like regardless of if I could make a trend go with it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that makes your content so dang good because it's always <laughs> like, it's coming from you all the time. It, it doesn't like when you fit a trend, it fits like a freaking puzzle piece. Yeah. Like sometimes like I really like, and that's maybe that's what it is, is that like sometimes like I'll have like a topic where I'm like, I really want to talk about this. And then it's like, I go to like, try to find a trending audio that would like kind of line up. And then I'm like, they're all shit. They all suck. (laughs) Um, I think that makes And so, yeah, it's like hit or miss, I feel like. So, yeah. Um, One of the ones that just cracks me up and I've watched, I'm probably like half of the the watches on your one that's like, um, what this mouth do. And then you're like, Layla, come. Like, yeah. it, like, I spit. <laughs> you're, you are hyping me up, like, way too much. Oh, my God. I think, so, when I was new to TikTok, mm-hmm. it would, like, occasionally just show me, like, seven of one person. I was, like, you know, just starting to follow people. Oh, and really? so, it would show me, like, seven of yours in a row or seven of, like, Tales of Arlo or something. And it would just... And then, so I was like, I felt like a little bit creepy because I would just keep going down my friends and it was just like so many of the same persons in a row. And I think that's that's when, yeah. And now my feed is like way more mixed up, but initially I would see like seven of yours in a row. Oh, that's funny. I did not know that like TikTok was like that. Yeah. When you're like new. And so that's probably when you were like, geez, Louise, Michelle. (laughs) 
no I've literally never thought that like like I said I was like I'm so excited to get her like on the phone and talk to her um so yeah now we're here and I'm your adventure of the day I'm so excited I know we kind of like already covered just like how you are in general I feel like okay I like want to know like how is Hadley and Olive and Daryl like are, are they all doing good they're all doing really well Okay. Um, okay. We are, I should say, um, I think that the transitions have been a lot for Hadley. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to stop breastfeeding, but uh, she's been sleeping in like different beds and breastfeeding is like the one constant in her world right now. And so I was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, was there like a reason? Like, I, I mean, I just, because I've, I've never been a mom before. So like, are you just supposed to like wean them off at some point or... I want to start taking meds again. Oh, okay. So there are meds for narcolepsy that I cannot take mm-hmm. while breastfeeding. Gotcha. And I am starting school in like a week. Yeah. And I want meds. Yeah. So that was sort of the thing. But I'm lucky to be in a position where my school is going to be part-time virtual. I'm just taking one class for the semester. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's going to be manageable. But um I'm really looking forward to having medicine again. Totally. I I so get that. Like props to you for for doing all that. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that some throughout this. So really quickly before we get into the rest of the questions, can you just, you know, kind of be like, you know, Daryl's my husband, Hadley's my daughter, <laughs> Olive's my dog. Uh kind of give like a little bit of a bio for each, you know, piece of your puzzle, piece of your fam. Okay. Um, Daryl is my husband. He is truly the best gift I have ever gotten in my entire life. He is the most supportive human. He is somebody that I can bounce ideas off of. We just, we are in this adventure for life. It's, he is just the most perfect partner for me that I could ever, ever imagine. And Hadley is my one-year-old daughter. She is an absolute joy. She is somebody who, um, like when I get her up in the morning or when she wakes up in the morning, I just miss her so much. I just always look forward to going in and getting her in the morning. And then Olive is my almost perfect three-year-old Australian shepherd poodle mix. And she is, I can't wait to talk about her. I feel like I've been talking about her a little bit less these days, but she does not get all the props that she deserves. And one thing that's been so much fun is watching her relationship with Hadley. Yes. I think like that is honestly, those are some of like my favorite videos to see from you, just like how they interact and all of it is like really well behaved. Like I can totally tell that she is like a really, really solid dog. So I'm really excited to talk about her too. Yeah. I could talk to her about her. Yeah. You could talk. No, you keep going. Oh, I could. I'm. You had some questions about like our support during our journey, and I just can't wait to get to those. Oh yes, I'm super excited. Okay, let's just like hop on in. So, um, first and foremost, so Olive is your service dog, um, for narcolepsy. Like, is it specifically narcolepsy, or does she do things for OCD as well? Um, it's narcolepsy with cataplexy. And so she does, like, there are certain things about her that are really helpful for OCD, but her tasks are specific to narcolepsy and cataplexy. 
Okay. So can you give like a description of what narcolepsy is, what cataplexy is, and OCD, and kind of how they affect you and your life? Yes, I can. Um, narcolepsy is a neurological sleep disorder where the brain literally lacks the neurotransmitters to regulate the sleep-wake cycle. So there's this thing called hypocretin that is in your brain and in the brain of a patient with narcolepsy, it's not there or it's there at like significantly lower levels. So if you did a spinal tap, it would just look like it wasn't there. And what that does is it helps your brain know when to go to sleep and when to be awake. And so for me, what happens is at night, sometimes I can be awake and during the day I often am asleep. So if you think about a, a neurotypical person's sleep schedule, they have like six to nine consolidated hours of sleep and then the rest of their hours are consolidated wakefulness. My pie chart of 24 hours is super fragmented looking. Okay. And so there's like wakefulness where there shouldn't be and sleepiness where there shouldn't be. And so... Um, excessive daytime sleepiness is one of the primary symptoms of narcolepsy, along with a few others like hallucinations, which are, which can be really scary. And that those happen around sleep. So they happen because the brain goes into REM sleep so quickly that you're mm-hmm. still actually awake. So yeah, it's it's that's... not like it's not like I'm talking to you right now and I'm going to have a hallucination. What usually happens right. is when I go lay down for a nap, my brain can go into REM so quickly that things will start happening in the room that can be really scary. And Olive helps with that. And she'll, um, she'll paw at me. She'll do different things that just help like orient me because that is Mm -hmm. really, really scary. Um, Cataplexy is not, it's not necessary to have cataplexy in order to be diagnosed with narcolepsy. And I want to make that really clear because if anyone is listening to this and they can relate to any of the narcolepsy symptoms, but can't relate to this, you might still have narcolepsy. So cataplexy in, again, in like neurotypical sleep happens when you go into REM and your brain, your body paralyzes itself so that you don't act out your dreams. And this is something like if you have a healthy sleep cycle, your body paralyzes itself so that you don't act out your dreams. And actually there is a REM behavior disorder that Mike Birbiglia has. If you've seen his he has a Netflix special um, sleepwalk with me where he, his body does not do that. And he acts out his dreams. He's like jumped out of a window. And the only way to protect against that is to like lock yourself into your room. Mm -hmm. So if you think about like, there are, I think there are like 84 known sleep disorders. Anything that can go right in sleep can also go wrong in the same Mm -hmm. way as like with mental health, like anything that can go right can also be broken. Um, And so cataplexy happens where cataplexy with narcolepsy is when my body paralyzes itself outside of REM sleep. Oh, okay. Okay. So like you could be awake and that happens. Exactly. Wow. And so what, and so, and so the most common stereotype of a person with narcolepsy is somebody who like collapses Mm -hmm. like randomly. That is cataplexy. That is not mm. actually narcolepsy. Mm-hmm. That is like, um, like you see, you know, somebody walking in and they just like conk and fall asleep. That is cataplexy. The person is still conscious when that happens. They just can't move. Yeah. And so like, if you've seen like fainting goats or the dogs that have cat, that I that literally are- was going to say like a fainting goat. <laughs> Yep, exactly. That's cataplexy. And it's like really hard to watch that for me because the it's not asleep. 
the goat is not asleep. The goat is just paralyzed and completely conscious. And right. so that can happen in like so many different degrees. Um, I can have full body attacks. They usually last from like 30 seconds to a few minutes and Olive will like rush to me. It like, she could be like in the most snuggled pile with Daryl and she is all, she always has her eyes on me mm-hmm. and she will like run to me and start licking my face. And like having that sensation will like, in some ways it just helps me start regaining sensation a little bit more quickly. Right. And Daryl actually used to do these things when I would have cataplexy attacks. He would like squeeze my hands. And before I got Olive, we used to like joke about him being my service dog, which was <laughs> <laughs> like there were, cause like there were things that he would do right. that were like really helpful. And I was like, maybe like you wouldn't have to do that if we got. Yeah. I got a service dog. <laughs> yeah. So is like that the reason that you got Olive like did you intentionally get her to be a service dog yes so we chose her breed and her size and her parents based on wanting her to be a service dog we were getting her as a puppy so we knew that there was uncertainty because there's always you know Mm -hmm. you never actually know what you're gonna get but we tried to set ourselves up for success in every way that we could so did you train her yourself then since you, you got her as a puppy? And like, I guess what was like training those tasks like? Um, because, you know, I feel like with a lot of service dogs, you think about them going to a family for a little bit. They like learn how to sniff out insulin or like glucose or, you know, learn how to walk and with a wheelchair or just I'm just like naming off random examples. And then they go to the actual person that they're going to be a service dog for. But with you, it's like, were you having to like mimic cataplexy episodes for her to learn exactly what, what to do? Yeah. So there were a number of things. So you asked about training. Yes. And we had an incredible amount of support from like a month before we got her. So there is, um, this woman who Kate Olson, who is an absolute genius. She's positive reinforcement only, which eventually like didn't work for us. And we did, we do um, have her trained with an e-collar and with a prong collar, but I, she has like a paid Academy program that you can Mm -hmm. be a part of. And I was able like from day one to post videos in there. So she is really focused on puppy raising Mm -hmm. for service dogs and um like task training okay and really just like she's really just focused on everything honestly and so like we would post like we would do engagement exercises like every single day I mean it was like I mean it was close to like a full-time job and there were really sketchy parts not sketchy parts but there were parts that were really hard on my mental health because Mm -hmm. of the OCD because there were times where I was like this isn't gonna work um, someone else has snuggled her. Does that mean that she won't respond to me? You know, cause there were certain oh, like, okay. like fears that I had, cause it's like, you know, she should only be fed by me. She should only right. get her snuggles for me. She should really like be coming to me for everything, mm-hmm. but then I'm responsible for every single need. And I also have narcolepsy and yeah, that's like a lot of pressure. OCD. It's so much pressure. And so once we started like letting that go mm-hmm. and realizing that there was actually a lot more room 
for other people in our journey, things went so much more smoothly. Yeah. So much okay. more smoothly. Oh my God. I want to like back up a little bit because you, you mentioned your OCD. So like, I feel like OCD, a lot of people like are so quickly to, to stereotype that. So like, what is your OCD like? And, you know, cause you, you were talking about like, you were scared that if she's not even snuggled somebody else that she wouldn't be able to, to do the tasks for you. Like that she wasn't going to, um, look at you like everything. And you, you like mentioned the word fear. So like, what, what about your OCD was like going on? Like what was triggering it? If that makes sense. Um, I don't think I really understood my OCD at that point. And there was actually a post that you made that helped me understand when you talked about getting rid of your ego and like, mm-hmm. you were t- there was a post about like needing to be 110% perfect and being concerned that every single thing that Layla did was reflecting on you. Yeah. And once you let go of your ego, you were able to have a better relationship, a more effective training relationship that post that you made gave me so much insight into my own journey with Olive. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, be like, I don't, I didn't think that I really understood. I, I mean, I had an OCD diagnosis, but then I was in right. therapy for like general anxiety, which isn't effective for OCD. Mm-hmm. And so let's see. Okay. You asked like 13 questions. You asked what I, is OCD? I'm so sorry. Like, okay. No, I guess, no, this is like, there are so many things to talk about. Yeah. Like, okay. I guess first, yeah. Just like, what is OCD? And like, you know, blank out like all of the stereotypes, like, you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's get rid of all the stereotypes kind of thing. Like, please like set the record straight. <laughs> Okay. Okay. And if we can do that with narcolepsy too, I think that would be really great. Cause I think the stereotypes are a huge barrier to diagnosis for people. Like people could be living better lives if they knew what like sleepiness actually looked like, if they knew what OCD looked like. So OCD is a particular type of anxiety disorder that starts with an obsessive doubt sequence or an intrusive thought, but then leads to some sort of compulsion. For example, what if I misread? So I'm, I'm, I'm going back to school Mm-hmm. All of the assignments for my class were posted. Um, I log in to like read some of the readings. And the first thing I think is like, what if I misread this passage? Mm, okay. What if I misread, what if I miss something? And then I get to the end and there's some question and I don't know the answer. I just like, can't even think of it or problem solve. So I'm going to read this passage 13 times. Now an hour has gone by and I've read like four pages. Cause you're reading the passage. Because I'm rereading the passage because I need to read the passage perfectly. Now, that's like an extreme example, but academia does is like a huge trigger for right. OCD. But that's like a lot of – it kind of goes back. It's like a lot of pressure, right? It's and a lot of pressure. Same, same with Olive. It was a lot of pressure. So I guess from like a – from Olive's standpoint or like training her, if you, if you saw her give – if somebody else snuggled her or whatever, like what, and you had that fear of, okay, she's not going to be like the perfect service dog because she's getting attention from other people. What was like the compulsion that came out of that? Oh, I would like take her away from people. Oh, okay. Okay. I would like 
I would take her away from people. I just had zero chill. Okay. I had absolutely zero chill or I would, there was a lot of reassurance seeking. So reassurance seeking is a compulsion. Like Daryl, do you think this is okay? Like texting the trainer, like, which, which I think a lot of people don't know about. So OCD and general anxiety can be blurred at times, but Mm -hmm. if, if your anxiety is being triggered by some, by an obsessive doubt, like what if, what if, what if, or an intrusive thought, then therapy for general anxiety isn't necessarily going to be effective. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's important to get the diagnosis right. Like, I think that diagnoses are a tool. They're, They're as useful as we make them. Right. And one of the reasons that it's important to get it right is one, because you have access to medication mm-hmm. and two, because you have access to effective therapy. Right. Yeah. Because like the way that I go to therapy for general anxiety, like I could see how it would be totally different if I had compulsions that went along with everything. Yeah. Totally. Like, different. Or what, what are you, what do you think? Or what, what is therapy like for you with general anxiety? It's like definitely like a lot of, of talk and then, you know, like why, what do you think like is the root cause? Like why, why do you think that kind of thing? And then kind of like, you know, breaking down the assumptions, getting rid of the assumptions. Like, I feel like it's honestly like a lot of just like building my confidence in some ways, not every session, but I feel like the ones that are, you know, I'm really anxious about something. It's like walking through the fear and then, you know, figuring out like, okay, that's probably not going to happen. But if it does, here's like the plan kind of thing. But, you know, if I had a compulsion that went along with it, I could see it going totally different because not only would I have to like work through the thought process of being of the anxious or fear, I would have to learn how to properly manage the compulsion part. And like, I don't do that right now. Yeah, I think you, there are so many things that you said there that are such good examples of the way that talk therapy can be really good for general anxiety and really detrimental to a person with OCD. Because for a person with OCD, talk therapy can actually become a compulsion. Like Mm -hmm. it becomes this way to seek reassurance. And for a therapist who's not familiar with OCD, they can just feed into that. And I've been, Mm -hmm. that, that has been something for me too, where when you sit down with a therapist who is familiar with OCD and, and one way to figure that out is like, what percent of your, what percent of your caseload has OCD is a great question to ask a therapist before you work with somebody um, for OCD. The premise of like any conversation is sort of that there's a compulsion that is, mm-hmm. or there's an obsessive doubt that's driving this. And how do we break this cycle? Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So you said that like you, like one of your compulsions was seeking out reassurance and that was like from your trainer as well. So how, Mm -hmm. like even before you started training, did you go to, to the trainer or like to the, the support and say like, this could happen? Like, did you kind of know that before you started that your OCD would like really like coming hard and heavy, I guess. With I had literally no idea. Okay, so it was like everyone was kind of learning at the same time that like it was going to have to be something to to manage 
um, or I shouldn't say manage, but like learn how to learn how to like figure it out together kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what I can tell you is that it actually wasn't until we had Hadley that our couples counselor said, I think you need to see someone specifically for OCD. Okay. So this goes back to where you said you weren't like getting, did, were you on medication for OCD? Like you had already been diagnosed for OCD, but you hadn't found like a good therapist. I have not, I had not found a good therapist. I've actually been taking medication for OCD for like 12 years, like the same medication for 12 years and was being treated in therapy for general anxiety. Oh, okay. Okay. Not knowing that what I needed to do was seek out somebody who specialized in OCD and my Mm -hmm. couples counselor helped, like she talked to a therapist. She found somebody specifically who did this because I was trying to find people on my own and she had given me like a list of questions to ask to find a therapist who would be able to work with me. Right. I mean, they do have a large network. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They absolutely. do have a large I mean, it's of friends. A, yeah. It is such a good, I feel like therapists can be such a good resource. Um, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I've also been in therapy that wasn't what I needed. So it's really. I mean, yeah, that's, that's really true. I feel like being with a therapist, and I'd be curious to hear what you think about this, is really like finding a relationship that works. Oh, honestly. And it's, like, it's like, I always say, like, I always say that I got really, really lucky that the therapist that I have now was like my first one. Like, really. So lucky. you guys just clicked. Yes, I love her. I love her so much. <laughs> that is amazing. How long have you been with her? Um, For about a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, I got really lucky. Yeah. I also think that there's room in our lives for multiple therapists. Oh, totally. I've, I've, had, I've had three significant therapist relationships. My first one was or probably five. My longest was like four years. And um, I think like there's a lot to be said for getting someone else into your brain Mm -hmm. and like learning how to just like new insights, new ways of being. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I think like it also really helped that I went into it like ready to open up. So it wasn't like she was having to dig into me kind of thing. Like I went in like knew I was going to spill my guts kind of thing. Did you feel raw at all when you started? Um, I feel like like raw. Hmm. I don't I don't know if like that was that would be like the word that I would like describe it as because like I think sometimes I would go in and like, I, it would depend on like my week. Right. Cause sometimes I would go in and I would talk to her and then I would like feel really energized afterwards and be like, you know, we got a lot of clarity out of this and 
like I feel motivated kind of thing. And then sometimes I would come out and be like really drained because it was like I was depressed and like, yes, I was getting all my words out, but it like took a lot of energy. Back to like Olive and training her, it was like specifically for narcolepsy and cataplexy, but you were like also experiencing these like OCD symptoms. And so you talked about like one trainer, but then was that like the main trainer for while for while you were teaching her tasks or did you see several trainers like throughout like I guess the first year? That's probably like the most crucial. Yeah. So we had a lot of support. So and I and I think one of the biggest ways that OCD played into this was in having I had like the largest safety net that was I constructed the largest safety net possible. So mm-hmm. we had like this online academy, Kate Olson, who I just stand her, like she is incredible for like the overall puppy raising, socialization, confidence building. We had, we interviewed like four positive reinforcement trainers mm-hmm. and um, we picked one who met us back at our house like three hours after we brought Olive home. I was so scared oh, wow. I was going to break Olive that I was like, I need you to come like right when we get home. So mm-hmm. he like taught us clicker training when Olive was like eight weeks and one day old. Right. And so, and he was the hands-on component for us for mm-hmm. maybe six, no, for maybe three or four months. And okay. so with him, we did training in New York city around like loud things. He got us like, he got us pretty far, but at some point, Olive was starting to show signs of anxiety, and she was showing, like, I was having a really hard time getting her to settle on place with mm-hmm. only giving her treats. Right. And so, and also, during this time, we have an amazing um, obedience training club nearby, and mm-hmm. so starting at when Olive was, like, 12 or 16 weeks old we've taken a class with them every single session that they've been offered up until she was two and a half years old so we did like their full obedience sequence we've done like rally agility um like we were always in a class at Mm -hmm. all times because both to like always be training around other dogs was really important and always Mm -hmm. to be training around distraction. So we would like go to agility just to like train obedience skills around other dogs and distractions. That makes sense. Um, And so that was, and it was also really important for us to continue fostering our relationship all the time and in all of the ways. Yeah. Like her trust in you, your trust in her in like different scenarios. Exactly. And like keep things fun and exciting and, keep us really engaged. Mm-hmm. So those were three things. And then we had, um, when I realized that we were, ha- that we were starting to have struggles, I started looking for balanced trainers and we found somebody in Connecticut, Jen at Northern Bound Canine, who Olive did a four week board and train program with. And that was something that we, we knew when we were, when we decided to adopt her, our plan was to get her into a board and train program at some point, but mm-hmm. we just didn't know which trainer and where that would be. And Jen, um, Jen was incredible. So we started Olive, I think it was January of 2020. Okay. So she did a four week program where she learned e-collar, prong, slip collar, um, 
the biggest thing for me at that point was I needed her heel to be completely fine-tuned and I needed her place mm-hmm. command to be completely fine-tuned. And I just didn't feel like I had the skills to do that, to get yeah, it to that makes like, sense. exactly where it needed to be. Right. Why were like those skills so important? Was it because of like service dog training or were was it like in preparation for Hadley? Oh my goodness. Okay, so we I've I've like skipped past 90% of why we got Olive, which was because <laughs> I needed a service dog for when I went off medication to have Hadley. Okay, so that was like the whole okay, like I knew like you said you wanted Olive for like narcolepsy and cataplexy, but I didn't realize that it was like for the end goal of when you had a child. Okay. Yes. Like Olive was critical in our family planning. Like the timing right. of when we got Olive, like things, Caroline, things were like planned out to a T. Like okay. we got Olive in April. We we picked up Olive in June of 2019. We knew we were going to start trying to get pregnant in like January of 2020. We wanted Olive to be super solid by then so that she could be tasking, that so that she could go with me places because I was going to have to stop meds in January of 2020. Okay. This all makes sense now. So you like had like a five-year plan. Yes. 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 Nothing it has been an accident. Like not one single thing except for the fact that it took us a year to conceive Hadley. That did not go according mm-hmm. to plan. <laughs> well, and the pandemic. I didn't yeah, count the of pandemic, course. and that was actually that really set us back because we we reinforced some atrocious behaviors in mm-hmm. Olive during, during the pandemic yeah. that we had to spend a lot of time walking back once the world reopened. Right. Okay. So, like, this all all makes like a lot of sense. Like, you are so intentional that it it really does. It makes so much sense now with like how, how you set things up. Okay. So just like briefly, what are the tasks that Olive does for you? She responds to cataplexy. She alerts to sleepiness and she'll do DPT when I have hallucinations. Okay. So those are like her three main things. She'll also do like, she has figured out how to alert to anxiety, but the things that like, the reason that I take her places are like first and foremost for cataplexy and sleepiness. Okay. So like you needed those, but then you also knew like she was going to be around a baby. So what were like the main things that you like wanted her to learn for a child, like for a child coming into the family? Okay. So healing next to a stroller was really important to me. Being on place was really important to me. Leave it was really important to me. Those were like the three main things. Mm -hmm. And she does all of those perfectly. Where I totally whiffed, like 150% whiffed, was that, oh my God, this is just embarrassing, Caroline. (laughs) We're here for it. Oh my God. Oh my God. I didn't think that Olive had a jealous bone in her body. Okay. Or like a guarding bone in her body. Right. And when, because she was always okay with other kids. Mm -hmm. And in other scenarios with little people, she's great with, she reads dogs really well. Okay. Basically she didn't 
react super well to me having a baby on my person at all times. Mm-hmm. She was like, I want to be between the baby and you. So that was like a big, like. That was like, like a, a WTF. Yeah, that's like a huge obstacle. It was, I thought I broke her. Like, so she went to stay with our trainer for two weeks after Hadley was born. Mm-hmm. Because we wanted her to be like safe and have plenty of play and things and we were going to be adjusting. Right. Like you were just being like a good dog owner because you knew during that time, like you would be a little chaotic with Hadley. Yeah. I mean, you can just call me the best dog owner. Like <laughs> I'm just the best dog yeah, mom. I'm happy are. to take that. Yeah. I'm just, you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Caroline. I just, when Olive came home, the other thing was that because she was so freaked out by Hadley being on me, mm-hmm. she couldn't actually be in our room mm. for the first time in three, two and a half years. Right. I have a, like a video recording. It's really like just audio of her screaming at the top of her lungs, being in her crate the first night that she came home after Hadley was born. And it was, I was like texting our trainer, like, did I break her? Are we ever mm-hmm. going to get over this? Is our bond broken? Cause she is crate trained. She like, she's great at her crate. She can go to her crate from like a million miles away, but mm-hmm. she had like every single night of her life, she had slept in our room up until right. she came home. And so, but because she was like, jumping on me every time I would pick up Hadley I couldn't have her in the room in the middle of the night that makes until sense. we trained that mm-hmm. that makes sense and so that was it's also it's also very scary to talk about this I'm so worried that someone's gonna say like your dog is totally unfit to be a service dog if she's jealous blah 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 um it's just I think it's scary a service dog, the standards for a service dog are so unbelievably high that mm-hmm. they're tasking, that they're, I mean, the public access training and then the tasking. And so then, yeah, to share, it feels very vulnerable to share this, that like, there's this thing that my dog did that was not perfect. Right. Well, I do want to point out though, that like, you're, you're like, it's been processed and like, you are on the other side of it now. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Like, yeah. when this was happening was probably um, I mean, how old is Hadley? She's one. So this was probably yeah. happening, what, like a year ago, if not more? Yeah. And yeah, so, it was ex- exactly a year ago. Right. So, like, yes, you're sharing this. And it's, you know, not meant for anybody to come after her. If anybody comes after Michelle, I will come after you. <laughs> but these are the types of things that, like, we do get vulnerable and talk about on here because – it's probably happening to somebody else. It's not your fault. It's not really anyone's fault. Um, and like you have grown past it and you are on the other side and like you did a kick-ass job of like making sure everyone got to where they are today. So we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. But there is that fear and that I think. Um, totally. Yeah, I think the service dog training world is, um, yeah, it's just, it can be like a very friendly community and place, Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then there can sometimes be people like calling other people out aggressively at times where it just feels nerve wracking to share that it's a thing. When also I want to share that like, we do have this partnership. She has helped me so much. Right. Um, I live the life that I do in large part because of her. Mm-hmm. So I saw some, somewhere there was a cane, a uh, cane Corso, Kana Corso team and she said something about when you go someplace with the service dog Mm -hmm. show them how a service team acts not what they look like yeah and I thought that was such a powerful thing because I've also been insecure about about. Mm -hmm. okay okay um because Olive is also not the biggest dog. Right. She's I, cute. Like, she is cute as fuck. Like, I'm sure everybody cute. probably does want to, like, snuggle her. They do. And it has been, I just have to say, like, she's working. Mm-hmm. It's, um, and I have to be, she gets groomed very frequently so that she's not, like, the fluffiest doodle right. on the planet. Because <laughs> she does, she can look like a stuffed animal mm-hmm. if she's not groomed. She is really cute. So do you, like, like you said, you know, she got really jealous whenever you first brought Hadley home. But, like, prior to, so, like, while you were actually pregnant, that's, like, when she was doing, like, the most beneficial work for you because you were on, like, different medication or, like, off some medication. And so, like, you truly did, like, rely on her during pregnancy So, like, do you feel like your bond just completely shifted during that time of, like, pre-pregnancy versus in pregnancy? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. She was, um, oh, my God, she was absolutely incredible. And that was sort of the golden age for us because her temperament was perfect for me. We did sometimes struggle. So, she would take – she – she's half Aussie. So she is high energy Mm -hmm. and, but she does have an incredible off switch. So she would nap with me during the days. The issue became that she would get like wired at night. We somehow trained her to like lose her shit at night. And she was like, (laughs) let's fetch in the living room for two hours. And we were like, wait a second, what's going on? Um, so Daryl would start taking her on walks. And I would take her on these sort of just like zombie walks where we Mm -hmm. would just kind of like go through the motions. But um, I, in some ways, I almost felt like I betrayed her when Hadley was born because we had such a great thing going while I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly Hadley came into the picture and I had to have boundaries with Olive that I'd never had to have before. And I don't think that I prepared her in a way that was fair for her. Okay. So I have a lot of regrets about, or I just wish that, I just wish that I had thought through a few more things, like about what those actual first days after, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. I guess, honestly. Like, I didn't see the jealousy or the guarding coming. It came, it came like, out of nowhere. Right. That, like, there is nothing that she had ever done before that that made me think that this would be an issue. hmm Yeah. I mean, I feel like 
nobody really like hopes or plans for that because it's it is like a joyous time you know what I mean but I yeah. think the true thing is is like this does happen like I've I've seen stories about this like multiple times um so I don't it's not like you were the only person like you were alone in this kind of thing I totally Absolutely. think that this was like this is it's not like not normal. Did you like find support like whenever this was going on? Did you find support in other people um that were had gone through like similar things or who like who was your support during that time? At that time, I wasn't in the service dog community probably as much as I should have been or as much okay. as I think that like I think that would have been what would have been really helpful is looking at other service dog teams who had had babies because mm-hmm. I know they're, they're out there and like thinking back on it, it actually makes a lot of sense that this creature that you've been like, you know, conjoined twins for right. a while. And now suddenly I have this thing that's, that's in your way that she would be almost. Yeah. I, I think that looking back on it, it makes a lot of sense. My community at that point, um, I facilitate a pregnancy and parenting with narcolepsy support group. Mm-hmm. And that was my big support system at this time. Cause I was just trying to figure out how do I manage my med, the meds that I was able to take with breastfeeding. Right. How do I stay awake as a new mom? And so that was really my lifeline. Yeah. Speaking of which, this is like one of the things that really caught my eye whenever I first started following you is that you said that you live like you live a more minimalistic life and like priorities like you like you have your priorities in order kind of thing. Like it's no question about like what your priorities are, but it's partly because of like your narcolepsy so that you don't have to spend time doing random tasks throughout the day whenever you could be spending time doing like your number one or number two things, which is like, you know, being with your family or being outside, like, you know, whatever that is. So I just wanted to point that out. But like, have you always lived life like that? Or was that more something that like came into play whenever you started to have a family? That was something that came into play when we got pregnant. Okay. I knew there, have you heard the saying, like, we all have 24 hours in a day and like Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. All of these incredibly productive people. We all have 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with this? Like one precious life. And I just want to spit on that so badly and throw it out the fucking window because no, we don't. Okay. Like a lot of us are dealing with other things and this was before I was diagnosed with narcolepsy, but I knew something was going on and sayings like that just made me feel terrible about myself because it felt like mm-hmm. there was a person that was, who was trapped inside of me, who was trying to do all these productive things, but just needed to sleep for a hundred hours a day. And so, um, I think the same thing can be said for people who are, you know, for managing mental health issues, for managing a million other chronic health issues, for managing family issues. And so, once I was diagnosed with narcolepsy, I realized like I literally have less hours during mm-hmm. the day than other people. How am I going to spend them? Because I can't spend them. I, I mean, I could spend them doing managing possessions, 
Right. Or I could get rid of as much stuff as I possibly can. I mean, and, and let me not fool you. Like we have in, like our basement is packed to the brim with like backpacks and sleeping pads for like every possible condition. So Mm -hmm. it's not like we've gotten rid of everything, but the things that I interact with on a daily basis, I've tried to keep as minimal as possible so that I can, like you said, focus on these things. And it's been really hard with a baby because they go through clothes so quickly, but I'm so glad that we were so conscious about creating systems while we were pregnant so that Mm -hmm. now that we have accumulated stuff, we have systems for getting it out of the house. We have all sorts of ways that we're like, you know, giving things away that we acquire used things so that our impact on the environment is less. There's just trying to keep things in like a tight circle. Right. That makes so much sense. Yeah. That was like kind of a side topic, but like, I really did want to touch on it because that was like one of the first things that I remember like reading from you and being like, whoa, that's like, really cool and awesome and like I want to like hear more about that and like how it helps her that mentality of like minimizing or I guess it's more so like maximizing your time with your top priorities right it's like optimizing your time with your top priorities is like I mean that's amazing you know what I mean like that's like how things should be thought about um, but I'm, I like that mentality. I've never really thought about it that way until you said something. And I was like, that is so smart. I think so. One way that you can think about this is imagine your dream day. Like you wake up in the morning. What do you do? Where do you go? What is, what does your bathroom look like? What does your closet look like? What are you eating for breakfast? What do the cabinets look like when you open them up? Where do you go when you sit? Where And then like, you know, you eat your breakfast. Where do you go for work? What does your workspace mm-hmm. look like? You do your work day. Now you have limited time left over in the evening. What do you do with that? Mm-hmm. And then get that picture. Like I, so we actually worked with a professional organizer and we went through, Daryl and I each went through this. Like, what does our dream day look like? And writing down all of the descriptors of that. And then we basically stripped away everything else. Mm -hmm. So that was really like, that was the logistics of it. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that that makes sense. I really, really, really like that. I feel like that's such a good like exercise and tip. Okay. I have two more questions left, but I want to like backtrack just a little bit. So we talked about like bringing, bringing all of home with Hadley there. So just like, this could be, you know, maybe one or two things, but like, what advice would you give to somebody that has a dog that is going to bring home a baby? The first thing that I would say is if you can have behaviors trained that will make your life easier, like healing with a stroller, staying on place and leave it, Mm -hmm. that will make your world feel bigger with your dog. Because you will be able to take them more places. You can get out of the house. You can all be a unit, even if you're only going to dog-friendly places. Mm -hmm. The next thing I would say is to make sure that you take time, three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes every day to connect with your dog. That is such good advice. That I think, like, when, yeah, I think, like, 
playing tug with your dog for three minutes or whatever their like play love language is. Right. And this is why, you know, I bought the train your dog, play with your dog shirt. And when I got won the giveaway, I wanted that sticker so that I could put Mm -hmm. it on my computer because I think part of the OCD and the service dog training, it's so training oriented, but on the flip side, we don't have a relationship if we're not playing with each other. Mm-hmm. Or not and doing so, language. I love that you called it that. Yeah. I don't think I've called it that. Yeah. I that's I think that's how I'm gonna think about this going forward. Cause that that is her love language is like for or for all of its tug. Right. For sure. Um and just like those five minutes of connection are a freaking game changer for us. I love that. That is like the most like perfect answer. I love calling it a love language like that. That is so sweet. I love that. I love that so much. Okay. So this is like my final question before I ask you my like actual final question. (laughs) Okay. So I'm just like really interested to kind of know this, you know, doesn't really have anything to do with like moms or dogs. I mean, it does, but, like, not really. Like, what is your goal for social media? Like, I'm just so curious to know, like, what your, like, mission is. Like, I know, like, it does involve Olive and Hadley and you and Daryl and, like, everything. But, like, I guess, like, do you have, like, a bigger mission for that? Like, you know, you changed your name on social media. And, like, I guess what is, like, the inspiration at the moment? So I would love to have a community one day, mm-hmm. um, whether it's like a Facebook community or a circle community, something that's been happening since I've started sharing more about mental health and chronic illness and bodies and doing more video is that, so first of all, I have like the best followers on the planet and they've started sending me things that I'm like, okay, I need to connect you to this other person mm-hmm. who is going through this same thing. I want to, I haven't started doing it, but I want people to start connecting with each other. Right. Because so many of us are going through the same things. And my goal for my account is I want someone to come to my page and See if they can see themselves in anything that I share and know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. That that is really all I want. That is all <sighs> I want. Michelle, like we are literally the same person because that's like my thing too. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's yes, exactly yes. thing. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And I think you've said that. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. It's just like this human experience that we have. Mm-hmm is we're doing it together. Right. And you're incredibly focused on, I mean, yes, it, things for you are stemming from dogs. Mm-hmm. I think also a big part of it for me, now that I have a baby, is I want people to know that motherhood can be whatever you want it to be. That's a really important thing to me because there are so many like horror stories on social media about motherhood. Mm-hmm. and. I really 
think I want people to know that it can be whatever they want it to be. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's another part And of I, it. I love how you were just like tying it all in together. Like literally everything. Like I know that you said like, you know, Olive probably hasn't gotten the spotlight here recently on your social media, but like I still see it come through. You know what I mean? Like I still see like how everything intertwines and like everything like all goes together. And it makes me happy to to see somebody like you doing it because it gives me hope that one day may, I don't know. I, I like, I'm not fully like I want kids and I'm not fully, I don't want kids, but there was a time that I was like, I definitely do not want kids. But then after seeing people like you live these like really full successful lives and like building it your own way, it's opened up my mind more. So I just want to thank you for that. Wow. 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 That, yeah, that like really hits me. That really hits me. We'll take a moment for that. (laughs) I wish, because I know that there are a lot of dog parents who say like, I'm never going to have kids. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, and I, and I think a lot of it comes from, A lot of us are realizing that maybe our childhoods weren't what they could have or should have been or our morning things about our relationships with our parents that feel more challenging than what they could or or should have felt like. And we're like raising these dogs, but dogs can't vote. Right. And... There are just so many incredible dog parents out there. That's, I don't know what else to say about that other than that, like, yeah, it's incredible how much pain we've been through, like our generation and how it's turned us off of having kids. Totally. Yeah. I think there's like a lot of different ways that you could like go on that, um, I think keeping an open mind is like the biggest thing that you could do for yourself. Like while you're in your like twenties and thirties and you're like trying to navigate all of that, but totally, totally get what you're saying. My last question for you is what does having a dog mom mentality mean to you? The absolute biggest thing that stuck with me from puppy raising was always train the dog in front of you. And I've really tried to continue that mindset, though I have made mistakes. And I use that with Hadley. I try to let both Olive and Hadley be new to me every single day, which helps me keep their growth and individual personalities at the center of my mind instead of my own ego. I love, 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 love how you related that back to your human child as well. That is so awesome, Michelle. I think they're so similar. Do you really feel like having a dog and like, even though like some of these may seem like train the dog in front of you, that's like just a saying, you know, that may be thrown around in dog training, but you like literally took it to heart. And like, so do you feel like that, you know, not, not just like that saying, but just like having a dog really prepared you for motherhood? 
Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. Caroline, like it taught me things about myself that have helped me be a better mom. It taught me like how I would need to care for myself because I got so wrapped up in Olive's training that I realized like early on with Hadley, I was going to need to have a babysitter. I was going to need to be able to leave the house or if not have a babysitter, like Daryl would take Hadley so that I could leave the house and still Mm -hmm. be a full person because training Olive was an all consuming thing. Like she was my first child. And if you say otherwise, I will fight you. Like, (laughs) and I, and I think you, you might feel the same way about, I do. I mean, I I, I listened to your like training journey. I know that it wasn't immediate for you. Right. But like, she's your daughter. Right. And so I think like there are things that Olive has triggered in me, in my anxiety, in my anger, in my, like all sorts of things that I've had to work on in order to be the person that she deserves, like the handler she deserves. I have to be a better person. And like, I think that having a kid is the same way. Yes. That like summed it up for me because like really the reason that like, I was, I was in high school and college. I was like, I can't wait to have a kid. We got Layla. She triggered this like frustration, anxiety, anger in me. And I was like starting to see all these like emotions get stirred up in me. And I was like, I'm not emotionally stable or fit to have a kid because like, if I can't even handle my dog, how in the world am I going to be able to handle a kid, you know? yelling at me or talking back to me kind of thing. And so through, you know, myself working on or working on myself with Layla, because, you know, she triggered those things first, going to therapy and like accepting, you know, things about my past, plus working on myself, plus working on my emotional regulation, plus like having this open mindset. Like I have started to step back into like the thought of like, Maybe I do want kids, maybe I don't, but like I do feel capable now of like emotionally like I don't want to say like I am like emotionally fit, but like cuz that's like a really like I don't know large thing to me, but like I feel as if I'm just I have the potential and I'm capable whereas 2 years ago at this time I was I felt the least capable and the least confident of like one, having a dog. So like, how in the hell am I going to have a kid kind of thing? But now through dog ownership, I've gotten to the place where I feel so much better about that and have a more open mind to it. And I think that everything that you've gone through with Layla, if you decide to have a kid, which you may or may not decide to do, would make you a better parent. Because through what you've done with Layla, you are now handling her from a place of healing and not from a place of brokenness. And that would Mm -hmm. translate to any other creatures. I mean, if you don't have a kid and you just get a second dog, don't you think that your second dog would be better off for what you've done with? Oh, totally. Oh my gosh. Like any creature that you'll ever have ever again in your future is going to be better off because they get a Caroline who has done so much healing. Right. And all because of my my puppy girl, Layla, who I'm pretty sure is, like, literally outside the door here. <laughs> um, man, okay, this is, like, an amped up conversation. I loved it so much. I'm so thankful and grateful to be able to talk to you. And 
Is there anything that like you want to wrap up with? God, I just am so grateful to finally get to talk to you in real life so that we can share ideas in real time. Yeah. So um, I don't think there's anything I want to add. I just want to say thank you so, so much. I just love, I just love talking to you. I love like our energy and just um, being with you. You are magical. You're magical. Okay. Oh. You're literally going to make me cry. Like I'm like kind of tearing up. Okay. You're literally just such a blessing in my life. I like really look up to you. Can you tell everyone where to find you? Um, on social media and you did say well you have a blog but you're going to change the name of the blog so just tell us where to find you you can find me at us these days on instagram at us these days underscore on tiktok and us these days.com amazing so you do have like your blog transferred over from your name to us these days now it will be by, by the, the time, time that this comes out okay <laughs> Perfect. Like I I own the domain name. Right. Okay. All you have to do is switch it. You're good. Yeah, I know. I just haven't. There have been like one or 12 things going on. (laughs) That's okay. Well, just thank you so much again for for coming on here and chit-chatting and talking about all the things. You are such a vulnerable and open and strong person. So yeah, just thank you again. Thank you for being you and for making space for these conversations. You are such a community leader. Okay, now you're really going to make me cry. There are conversations that are happening right now on social media that would not be happening if you weren't sharing the things that you were. And that is like really cool and special. That is really cool and special. It is. It is. Wow. You are, you are really cool and special. So, um, I like you a lot. If it's like, (laughs) oh my God, are we dating? I mean, there's like bromances, but what are the, what is the, oh, I don't know. I know what you're talking about though. Why don't, why can't we be that? Okay. Well, we're in a bromance. Okay, why don't we just call it a bromance? Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Is it official? It's official. You guys are okay first. (laughs) My Lanta. Okay. Thank you literally just so much. I I do have to go. Okay, let's go. Okay, Okay. I will talk to you soon. You'll see yourself on adventure on the adventure today. Okay, awesome. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.